HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes store. The following program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery. Cane Vineyard and Winery supports Heritage Radio and the growing movement to change how Americans eat and how we think about our planet. For more information, visit www.cane5.com. Welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm your host, Linda Palaccio, on this half-hour journey through culinary history. And as we come to the end of summer, it's almost Labor Day here, there are state fairs and county fairs, not to mention baseball games. I would venture to say that during these months, one food item has been eaten probably more than any time in the other months combined, and whether you call it a frankfurter or a wiener, a wurst or a brat, and whether you take it with sauerkraut, mustard, relish, or pickles, you know what I'm talking about. It's the hot dog. The hot dog has a place in America that, <laughs> the lowly hot dog, that is more exalted than any other food, even though it's the lowly hot dog. And my guest today is someone who's done a lot of research and a lot of eating, I might add, of hot dogs, and his name is Bruce Craig, and Bruce is a well-known food history and culinary history. He's the president and founding member of the Culinary Historians of Chicago. He is Professor Emeritus of History and Humanities at Roosevelt University, and he's written a wonderful book called Hot Dogs. A Global History, in the Edible Series by Reaction Press. Bruce, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm great, thank you. And I'm very hungry for a hot dog right now. I'm <laughs> thinking about all the different ways to eat a hot dog. You know, um, as I was thinking about reading through the book again and, and thinking about some questions to ask you on the history of hot dog, I noticed again that you separate 
two threads of your research into, number one, the tangible story of the hot dog, and number two, the cultural history. That's why I say this, this lowly food has such an exalted place in, in our society. Right. Um, what, what, tell me about that. Why did you, and why separate research in that way? Well, it just comes naturally because <clears throat> hot dog is such an integral part of American folk culture. So uh, just look at uh, commercial jingle, commercial jingles. Remember, uh, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet, yeah. and uh, um, all the ad- advertising and marketing by sausage companies like Oscar Mayer. And I'm sure that there isn't a listener right. <laughs> who can't sing the Oscar Mayer jingle right. uh, to this day. And um, uh, uh, newspaper stories, its connections to baseball, other sporting events. Um, if you just say to anybody, uh, oh, come on over, I'm having hot dogs, or free hot dogs at some event, people gather. It's, That's right. It's, again, part, uh, in the fabric of our popular culture. Well, I know there are a lot of myths surrounding the name hot dog and, and the actual history of the hot dog. Is, and if you ask people what's an American dish, you know, hot hamburgers and hot dogs pop into their head. Is it really... An American dish. I'm sorry. Uh, you said. Uh, what does that say about America? Or well, no, not really. But what is the his, What is the true history of the hot dog? I mean, we know there are sausages. Sausages in history, but yeah, you, uh, 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 you Linda, I'm sorry. I'm away. having a hard time hearing you. <laughs> it's our connection. You trace the hot dog back for a long time. So can you give us, or at least the sausage and chopped meats? What give us a history of of the hot dog. Well, the hot dog, um, well, there are two things to say about it. Uh, initially, um, the name hot dog and uh, the product itself. So the product itself is a sausage, uh, clearly, which uh, came to America from Germany with the great German immigration of the mid to end of the 19th century. Um, uh, Americans certainly made sausages, um, uh, English uh, uh, part of America, uh, English settlers, but it wasn't uh, the hot dog culture, a uh, sausage culture that the Germans brought. And uh, their uh, sausage culture is uh, street food as well as eating it at home with, with an elaborate variety of them and considerable artisanship as opposed to the kind of pork sausages that uh, English people made at home uh, on farms and um, um, and or might purchase in uh, from local butchers. Um, so um, uh, Germans ate it as street food, and uh, they did in Germany, and uh, they did here when they got here, and uh, they associated it with their other uh, paradigmatic food, which is beer. The two go together right away, and um, as, as soon as German immigrants settled in our cities, they set up beer gardens because that's where German families went. And uh, there, beer and sausages go together. Uh, served as street food, it became popular um, all over the country. I, I just read an account of in 1870 in Cincinnati of uh, sausage sellers in an area there called Over the Rhine. That's the German area of town. Mm-hmm. Um, a fellow going around with his tray of sausages followed by a young boy carrying uh, condiments, bread, that is to say a sandwich, and um, mustards um, for uh, people to you know, make, make literally a sausage sandwich. 
So that's what a hot dog is, basically. It's a sausage sandwich. Well, and, we, and, and you talk about um, evidence that um, I'm sorry, chopped meat and processed meat has, goes back as far as 20,000 years ago. I'm sorry, I, 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 can't, I can't hear you. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, let's, let's talk about um, the industry that this popular hot dog spawned. Obviously, right. chopped, meat, chopped meat was uh, something that was done for thousands of years, but now it became a popular item and it had to be mass-produced. Correct. Well, that's the story of American food, isn't it? Uh, industrial guess. production. <laughs> Um, Americans are quite good at picking up on any uh, trend instantly and uh, turning it into uh, a large profitable enterprise. And uh, in the 19th century, that's economy of scale, namely industrialized food production. Mm -hmm. Um, So it goes together with meat and uh, Americans being carnivorous. uh, Meat production was ramped up during that century, the 19th century, especially in Chicago, among other cities. Cincinnati's another one. Um, and uh, the famous Union Stockyards, which produced massive amounts of food, about 80% of America's meat in its heyday, uh, culminating, as probably all your listeners know, in the jungle and the, the horrors of it. But at any rate, uh, one of the byproducts of uh, cutting meat were leftovers and scraps, and those were turned into sausages by major companies, uh, Swift and Armour and Wilson and uh, lots of others. So that's the industrial part of it. Uh, right. Well, artisanal... you say byproducts. You say byproducts. I mean, that's what always scares a lot of people, that the hot dogs were made with the trimming, not the trimming so much, but the byproducts. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And uh, you can still buy uh, hot dog sausages that way, um, but they have to be labeled. Um, by um, um, uh, federal laws. So uh, you can go into a store and find uh, sausages made with snouts, lungs, liver, brain, <laughs> ears. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and that's actually what was in a lot of them uh, in yeah. the early days. And, of course, then, then modern industry also brought about the additives to or curing them because it was it took too long to cure them the normal way, right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, and uh, the technology developed to uh, quick cures uh, in the teens of the century, actually, um, because it takes a long time to cure a sausage in the proper way, you know, like a ham mm-hmm. would. So they had to have quick cures, uh, pumping them uh, um, as they did with uh, with, with hams uh, as an analogy. Uh, and uh, this led to nitrates, nitrites, which are still in hot dogs, and uh, they're not going to kill you, but uh, you may not like them. Um, yeah. well, certainly and artificial coloring in hot, hot dogs. Got a bad uh, Namely red dye number away two, from them. because Americans, being literal-minded, had to have red hots. So you had red dye, <laughs> and you still <laughs> do in the South, by the way. Uh, only it's not red dye number two. It's another. It's other colorings. Yeah. Well... When we talk about hot dog, of course, we also mean the bun. I mean, you can't have a hot dog without the bun. And Correct. It didn't always exist that way, right? What well, uh, the bun, 
again, uh, going back to the story in Cincinnati in 1870, Germans always serve uh, sausages with, with bread. Uh, in fact, it's unthinkable. It's like soup without bread. And, um, but America turned it into, a, into the sandwich. I, I'm a, a, a chef friend of mine, and I often agree that America's greatest or worst contribution to uh, world cuisine is the sandwich. Because <laughs> we eat everything fast, and that has spread around the world. And if you don't believe me, just go to any country and look at a McDonald's, right, or Burger King, or any that's of those right. other places. So um, uh, that's what a hot dog is. It's, it's a sausage sandwich to be eaten on the run. Uh, it's public, public dining um, from a variety of venues, stands, fixed places, but uh, barbecues, you know, cookouts, picnics. It, has to, it should be eaten on bread, but that, that's an, just an American way of doing it. Uh-huh. And the and so the invention of of something to fit this unusual shape, we had to find a a, a bun, if you will, that would fit this long shape of a dog. Right? R- well, yeah, um, uh, that's a that that that's a positive feedback thing. Um, <laughs> the original shape of the hot dog is uh, uh, is cylindrical, and the reason is because uh, sausages are are chopped meat or finely chopped meat, and they get very finely chopped emulsified in the case of uh, hot dogs, uh, and put into natural casings originally. That means animal guts. And they're mm. tied off at the end, so they're going to have a natural tubular shape uh, of various sizes depending on the gut. And nowadays there are lots of other casings, mm. or non-casings as the case may be. Uh, and so uh, it easily fits into a bun. The earliest evidence we have for a specially made bun for a hot dog is from Brooklyn, actually, um, probably in the 1870s. Mm. And there was a, a baker who um, he died around 1909 or so in his obituary in the Brooklyn Eagle says that he made buns specifically for the sausages by now, by 1906 called hot dogs, um, uh, uh, to be served at Coney Island. And those quickly became the standard. It's just a very easy way to do it. Right. Well, now you mentioned by then the name hot dog was, was common. Where, where did the, or how did the name hot dog come to be? Well, that's, that's the other part of American popular culture. Uh, like everybody else in the world, uh, Americans like to make uh, jokes about food and food names. So the hot dog is a joke name. And it, it refers to the mystery meat. Remember, we talked about scraps and other things that yeah. went into uh, hot dogs from the, the big manufacturers. Um, uh, so we didn't know what was going in it. And the standard joke was, and the earliest evidence in, um, so far in the United States is the 1830s, uh, for jokes about dogs going into uh, the butcher's sausage machines, oh. sausage making. And uh, this joke ran right, on, right through the 19th century. There's a song about it, um, which I have in that book, uh, called Der Deitcher's Dog. Oh, oh, where, oh, where is my little dog gone, right? Pardon? Yeah, it's, it's oh, where, oh, where is my little dog gone, <laughs> which everybody knows, but it, they don't know the rest of it, <laughs> which is <laughs> that it, the dog went into your sausages. Um, and oh. so this joke runs through to about sometime in the 1890s, the earliest evidence is now 1892 that uh, somebody called 
the um, the sausage a hot dog. And uh, it, the earliest evidence just recently discovered is from a newspaper in Patterson, New Jersey. And um, so the word is the the idea then spreads very rapidly all over the country. This joke word that um, um, the sausage is in fact a uh, it might have dog in it, but hot dog. It, it sounds it sounds good, doesn't it? Hot dog. <laughs> well, it certainly took. Let's put it that way. You yeah. know, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the the more appetizing and delectable side of hot dogs after we take a brief musical break and during that time we'll try to get our sound fixed up for you too okay so hold on dreamed anybody could kiss that away bring me bliss that away what a kiss that away what a wonderful feeling to feel that away tell me where have you been all my life oh hot ziggity dog ziggity boom what you do to me it's so new to me what you do to me hot diggity dog ziggity boom what you do to me when you're holding me tight Never knew that my heart could go zing that away, tingling that away, make me sing that away. Said goodbye to my troubles, they went that away. Ever since you came into my life, oh, hot diggity dog, diggity boom, what you do to me? It's so new to me. What you do to me, hot diggity dog, diggity boom, what you do to me? Hi, we are back, and we're talking about hot dogs and the history of hot dogs with Bruce Craig. And Bruce, um, you said in your book that um, the hot dog in its bun is a platform for culture. What, tell me a little bit about what you mean by that. Well, if you go around the country, you'll see that there are regional styles, and uh, even within regional styles, local styles of hot dogs. And um, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. There's, in New Jersey, a style called Italian hot dogs. And this was invented in the 1930s um, at a place called Ruts, uh, call, uh, um, sorry, Jimmy Buffs. And um, it has, it, it, what makes it Italian is it has a, a grilled pepper on it and uh, some potato, which is a really southern Italian calabrese uh, cooking style uh, on a hot dog in, in a bun that they call a pizza bread, which is just a, a thicker, crusted bun. And it, it was in the Italian community in um, Newark in the 1930s, and now has become quite a famous regional style. Um, in other places, Chicago notably, there are a lot of uh, condiments, um, fresh veg, well, tomato, uh, pickle, um, hot pepper, Relish, bright green relish, onions, um, mustard, never ketchup on the hot dog. And this comes about because of um, the proximity of Jewish uh, hot dog sellers to Italian and Greek um, vegetable uh, stands on the streets of Chicago, in a specific part of Chicago. And this is the case all around the country. Um, people put 
their own stamp on it. Um, it. It's probably one place that caters to one kind of community, like the Italian hot dogs, and uh, then it becomes a, 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 a local cultural phenomenon. And, uh, again, you'll find these all over the country in different styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there are, in fact, Chicago. you mentioned Chicago and the Vienna beef. I mean, the name itself says a lot, the Vienna beef being a very popular. Well, yeah, the, the name, that name um, is, um, was invented around 1896 um, after the Columbian Exposition. And the reason it was, it's called Vienna, is not because it's from Vienna. It's because the uh, owners, the founders, were uh, Jews from the Austro-Hungarian Empire. And uh, everybody knew that uh, Vienna was the center of good cooking, the best cooking. So if you want to give something a really good name to sound good, you know, like you'd call something a French bakery now, for example, uh, then you would call it Viennese. And so they gave the name to this sausage company, which uh, catered to the Jewish community in um, um, the South Loop area of Chicago, uh, called Maxwell Street. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's it's pretty interesting. It doesn't have much to do with real Vienna sausages. Well, hot dogs do have quite a history of being sold from push carts or or street vendor carts. Yes, absolutely. And that's a whole culture in itself, right? Uh, well, uh, I'm actually. Uh, doing another book right now on <laughs> the culture uh-huh. of hot dog stands and um, uh, talking about that, that very subject. Um, but it's, it's a street food, really. Um, it comes from the streets of the American cities and uh, was sold to immigrant uh, uh, folk who had very little money. It's cheap food. It's like street food anywhere in the world. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so it's, it's, it's cheap mass consumption, and it has to conform to what people expect out of a food. It has to be familiar to them. So um, uh, the Chicago hot dog was, and New York hot dogs, by the way, too, were all beef because many of their customers were Jews, and many hmm. of the makers were Jews, who, yeah. while maybe not religious uh, when they came over um, or while here, uh, when they got here, um, still, still had the... Um, Jewish dietary laws in their cultural background. Well, certainly we are familiar with the, the street vendors. Well, in, in New York, you can't go to a street corner without seeing a hot dog stand and the famous sabrette umbrellas. And, um, right. But in other cities, it's not push carts so much, but they really are permanent stands. And these are this is something unto itself, too, these hot dog stands. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, this has to do with local laws and um, uh, um, local authorities' ideas of what's sanitary and what isn't. Um, studies were done in New York at the turn of the uh, 20th century, uh, 1906, 99, by commissions to look at the uh, sanitary conditions of uh, these many stands that existed. And what they concluded was that the stands were, had better food than uh, many of the restaurants. And the reason is because the vendors went straight to the uh, produce market and got their food fresh right away and used most of it right that day. Um, so there was very little to, uh, that they had to keep, which is pretty interesting. And that kind of idea allowed um, hot dog stands, uh, food stands, to remain in New York um, in, as opposed to other places. Chicago, for example, concluded just the opposite. 
and over the course of the 20th century, they uh, put more and more regulations on street stands so that most of the hot dog places in Chicago, in fact, virtually all of them, are, in fact, fixed locations. They're not really stands. Well, you were recently quoted in um, a New York Times article on push carts and hot dog carts. Uh, You know, everyone, a new generation wanting organic foods, wanting, you know, specialty hot dogs, or people complaining about the dirty water hot dogs. I contend that that dirty water gives it its flavor. (laughs) Yeah, uh, well, I've heard several theories about it, some of which are so vulgar I'm not going to tell you what they are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I I agree with you. Um, The the dirty water dog is um, is fine. It just it, it's not really dirty water. It's, it's like a no, it's hot just, dog. You're eating a dog. Well, right. dirty it's water a, is not that, exactly it's that accumulation the, name, uh, the, the proper of the grease term. And the... Um, the sausage is kept in most of these places in in heated and water for a relative very short time, actually, and um, the turnover is very fast. So it, it's and I think it gives it flavor also. In fact, I prefer them to the flat griddled hot dogs, and certainly the fried ones that you find uh, in uh, New York. Mm-hmm, definitely. Well, now, you say you've also traveled around the world tasting um, hot dogs in other countries. Yeah. What were some of the most unusual preparations that you encountered? Well, the, uh, Korea, for example. And, you know, there was a place in New York that served um, hot dogs with uh, bulgogi and um, a, a Korean condiments on it, but unfortunately mm-hmm. it closed. Um, uh, but there's another one, a a Japanese hot dog place that's opened in New York recently. Um, uh, In Korea, um, it's not so much what's on it. What they do is they take a hot dog and dip it in a batter with potato chunks, and that's deep-fried and then uh, kept on sticks. And you'll see them just go to Seoul to the market um, or any public place, and you'll see these. Uh, all over the place. They're they're, they're perfectly awful. So, uh, <laughs> but, like a, a but it's, it's like the analog is a kind of fried uh, fish yeah. dish that the Koreans uh, use. That that's pretty unusual. Um, in France, they take a, a baguette and hollow it out, and squirt uh, mustard and unfortunately ketchup. Uh, as you can tell, I'm not a ketchup fan for at least for <laughs> sausages and. Um, then they stick the hot dog in it. So the end of it sticks out of this uh, bun, this hole in the bun, which is pretty unusual. Uh, in South America, there are lots of iterations uh, of them, um, many with, uh, may- with uh, mayonnaise on them, uh, oh my. hot uh, chili sauces, um, some with chopped egg on them. And so those are just three of many that you can find uh, internationally. Uh-huh. I know that um, a very popular type of hot dog in Germany, and this is post-World um, War II, I believe, is the currywurst. Yeah, right. Um, uh, I, I, I've argued with my German friends about this. I'm not a fan. Uh, <laughs> I think the curry is, the sauce is, is not very palatable. But it's a real German phenomenon uh, it comes from Berlin, and there's an argument as to who invented it, but it's post-World War II. Uh, and I remember mm-hmm. Germans have a, a sausage culture, and uh, right. 
you, you can't sell, for example, in Germany a something called a Nuremberger uh, Wurst in another unless it comes from Nuremberg. It has, it's DOC uh, sausages there. Uh, pretty interesting. Um, but this one is uh, is for is for is fast food um, meant to be eaten quickly and to be spicier. And um, uh, as German palates opened up after the war with um, Americans coming in and um, uh, more immigrants suddenly coming into into Germany, bringing a spicier um, flavor profile with them. Um, the currywurst, I think, becomes uh, popular. Um, um, again, uh, it's 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 not as popular as it was. And uh, on the well, I have Ber- I do have to no report. on the streets of Berlin. It's being replaced by doner kebab. Oh, <laughs> well, the uh, currywurst um, stand has just opened. Actually, a restaurant has opened in New York. Uh, oh. And- oh. I think and it I've read about this. Um, yeah, the original uh, Berlin Manhattan? Currywurst, and it's on Bleecker Street. Uh, I have uh-huh. not tried it yet, however. Well, so um, I, I can see how Americans would like it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we have we lots, lots of different, whether it, it becomes popular, I'd be very surprised. Okay. I think that uh, people are fairly conservative about their uh, hot dog tastes. And while they will try new iterations, again, it has to be familiar. So I'm not sure that currywurst is going to make it. Now, if it were Mexican, with Mexican salsas and things, Mm. that might be different. That's right. Well, you know, you still, even to this day, rarely do you go to any kind of reception or party where you you don't find the little um, uh, hot dogs, uh, pigs in a blanket. Yes, cocktail cocktail wieners, right. And they <laughs> these, are these date from uh, um, the early uh, early twentieth century, nineteen um, twenties, maybe a little before that, and um, they're just a, an appetizer. And those you can look at as a, as a quick way to to have uh, fancier food for the masses. Uh, um, pe- people then, as they are now, are reading food magazines and want to have, uh, want to impress or um, their guests, want to have something fancy and nice, and what could be better than a little Viennese uh, cocktail sausage? Um, uh, it's just an ongoing process in, in American food history that uh, uh, elite foods filter down to, the, to, to mass consumption and uh, something happens to them. Uh, I can give uh, my favorite uh, version of that would be chicken a la king, mm-hmm. which uh, and and all those um, creamed uh, dishes which are so popular in the last century, um, but those come from you know from uh, uh, French sauces, uh, bechamels and all all those a whole variety of them. So right. I think cocktail wieners are um, one of those. Yeah, well, any way you eat them, I think. The hot dog is here to stay, and I don't think uh, new trendy foods are going to to displace it by any means. Because no, to the hot contrary, dogs uh, hot dogs have become, uh, may I say, chefized. That um, many um, a number of uh, chefs have uh, taken up hot dogs and have uh, worked them around to uh, uh, fancify them, uh, making some very interesting creations. And uh, so it's a trend. That's a trend at the moment. 
Huh, interesting. Well, it's fascinating to, to realize there is so much history behind uh, a food that we usually relate, uh, associate with um, the ball game, you know, the, the baseball yeah. games and the county fairs. That's true. But it is it's <laughs> certainly the ch- a children's favorite, and adults have to admit it's their favorite, too. And I thank you so much with, for sharing all your information and research with us, and I look forward to reading about the push carts and, and what comes from them. Oh, well, thank, thank you for allowing me to, to talk at you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So please um, join us again for A Taste of the Past, and we'll bring you another Journey Culinary History. This is a message from Fork and Anchor. Aaron Fitzpatrick, the host of our wine program, Unfiltered, is looking for help on Kickstarter to open Fork and Anchor, a general store inspired by two food-loving ladies with an equal affection for urban life, the sea, and the agricultural paradise of Long Island's North Fork. The store is situated in a growing community of farmers and winemakers and will become a meeting place offering prepared foods, a variety of sun-dries, and a selection of homespun products, many of which will have their origins in New York State. Your backing will help them fulfill their dream of fostering relationships with the community and making the local food system accessible on a broader scale. Search kickstarter.com for Fork and Anchor and donate today. The following is a message from NOFA NY. Do you dig local food? Love organic farmers? Do you crave to be part of a growing movement of consumers concerned with the state of our nation's food system? Then sign up today to take the NOFA and Wise Locavore Challenge this September. Join 5,000 other New York locavores that are hungry, active, and ready to change our food system. Learn more at www.nylocavorechallenge.com. <laughs> 